This is Open to Hope Radio, featuring Dr. Gloria Horsley and her daughter, Dr. Heidi Horsley, coming to you on behalf of the Open to Hope Foundation, dedicated to those who are looking for hope after loss. Now, here's Dr. Gloria. Welcome to the Open to Hope Show. I'm your host, Dr. Gloria Horsley, with my co-host, Dr. Heidi Horsley. Well, Heidi, hello from California. Hello from New York City. How are you? I'm good. We've got a great guest today, and it's a topic that you and I are extremely interested in, in uh, resiliency and faith and those kinds of issues. Yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. We were talking with our guest right before the show, and I am curious, and we will get into this more, why some people remain resilient even after years of trauma and loss and others don't and what that's all about. And like you said, Mom, we will be talking more about that. All right. Why don't you introduce our guest? Okay, I'd love to. Um, Our guest today is named Dr. Janet Ramsey, and Dr. Janet Ramsey is Professor Emeritus of Congregational Care Leadership at Luther Seminary in St. Paul, Minnesota. She is also a marriage and family therapist and an ordained Lutheran pastor, and she is a wife, mother, and grandmother. Her most recent book is Spiritual Resiliency and Aging, Hope, Relationality, and the Creative Self. Welcome to the show, Janet. Thank you so much, Heidi. It's, it's so great to have you on the show, and, and what a great topic. And I just want to get right into it, because you've got so much to share with us today. Talk a little bit about the ba- baby boomers and, and what's happened right now with people in, if, in a quick capsule. And then let's talk about how you think that they're going to be affected by grief and loss. Well, most of my work has been done with the um, last third of life, as you know. And now that we have what's been called the age wave at times in the past, uh, there are other words for that trend as well, but there's definitely something very significant going on demographically. Tell me what you call Uh, that again. It has been called the age wave. It's been called a lot of things. Okay. Yeah. uh, sometimes they, uh, recently it's been called um, a tsunami rather than an age wave, but I think that does disservice to the tsunami and the people that died there, so I don't prefer that phrase. But what's, what's going on without any question at all is that there are huge numbers of, of persons who are going to be moving into uh, the latter years here at a time when uh, there seems to be a bit of confusion about roles, expectations, resources on many things uh, connected with those latter years. Um, however, I think we also need to keep in mind those who are already old, and particularly the very frail old. I uh, worked at one part of my life vocationally as a nursing home chaplain, and so I have a particularly warm spot in my heart for those who's whose losses are, are very extensive because they no longer live in their own homes. Um, the friendship networks that sustain them are often gone. Uh, many times their uh, adult children are not in the community. So that part of the population is too very interesting, as well as those um, older adults living at home um, who are in relatively good health but uh, still have to say goodbye to so many of their friends and family members. Mm-hmm. Now, Heidi and I were talking with you earlier about what's happened with the church, and the reason I bring that in is because you're talking about the fact that people have had a loss of community in a lot of ways, because our our religion uh, in the past has been our community, hasn't it? Well, yes, when people um, 
attended church more regularly as a nation, and when they were less mobile geographically, it was easier to find a sense of community. And I think in some of our rural areas that it still is the case. But rural areas are losing a lot of their younger members, as you know, uh, moving away for jobs. And so you have an, uh, kind of an aging of the rural communities, too, which means that the intergenerational resources aren't there for folks as well. Um, but when you t- start talking about uh, older adults in any form, you have to be so aware of the diversity uh, of that population. And who are you talking about? Are you talking about people who are institutionalized, people at home, people who are sick, people who are well, people who are rural, <laughs> people in urban areas, people who are better educated? It's a very diverse population. Mm-hmm. I often tell my students older adults are much more diverse than younger adults because uh uh, of course, they've had many more life experiences, and that's what makes us who we are, our reflection on our life experiences. Mm-hmm. So they've had more time to become different from one another, which is, of course, opposite from the kind of ageist portrayal of the little old grandmother sitting on the porch. That's such and, an yeah, interesting you, thought. Go ahead, hon. I was just going to say, when you, when you reference older adults, is that mm-hmm. baby boomers on up, or what, what age... Well, baby boomers are now moving into the sixty-five plus um, Uh categories, but it's it's a fluid phrase to say older adults is defined differently by everybody. Uh, Used to be that because retirement was about sixty-five, that that was the magic number. But we know that there are many people at seventy and seventy-five who are healthy, healthier than some folks who are at fifty-five. So that is something that most researchers and writers and teachers just have to define as they go in terms of what they mean by that phrase, older adult. Mm-hmm. So uh, I wanted to ask you, because our audience is out there and they're saying, uh, one of the things that I find concerning is that with a lack of religion, at least in my own religion, I found that there was, my sister recently passed away, and she's from a small town, and uh, we're going to have her funeral, and we know where it's going to be. Uh, we know because she belongs belongs to a religious community, there's a protocol and there is a, a stepping through it where we all know what's going to happen and where we're going to be. And I think we're going to lose that. What's your thought on that? You mean, Mom, do you mean where we're going to be in the, in the next life? No, no, no. Where we're going to be oh. at the funeral. <laughs> I mean, okay. we're going to go. <laughs> because, because, it is, no, because it is twofold. It is twofold. It's not only do we know where we're going to be at the funeral, but we know where she is going to be after she, now that she has died. Exactly. Let me see if I can address both of those. <laughs> um, in, my, in my own research, I've been doing research since uh, 90, about 93, when I was in graduate school working on my doctorate, I've been doing research and asking this question, why is it that some people cope so much better with losses in their life? And... Mm-hmm. Um, I went to graduate school and um, read a lot, started reading a lot of articles that would list many factors, uh, such as social support, economic and health status. And I would be sitting there in class after my years as a parish pastor and a nursing home chaplain, and I would think to myself, well, you know, that doesn't really match with a lot of my experience, because um, when I would go into a room and ask an older adult, you know, how did you get through that rough time when your adult child died or when you had to say goodbye to your home? And they wouldn't, you know, talk about their financial portfolio or their health status. They would say, I couldn't have done it without the Lord. Mm-hmm. And so I was very interested in how I might do some research on religion and aging in ways that would be acceptable in a uh, secular institution 
And so I did my dissertation on this topic and started interviewing older adults in Germany and America, and uh, that's been kind of a project ever since that time. My second book, Spiritual Resiliency and Aging, um, that you mentioned earlier, is really the fruit of my reflecting, along with Rosemary Bliesner at Virginia Tech, um, on what we learned there. And to our surprise, especially the first time around, we did not discover that resiliency in the face of loss was an individual accomplishment, but rather it was, as you just said a few minutes ago, uh, Gloria, it, it was based really on this uh, the sense of being anchored in a spiritual community. Um, now, it did not mean that people were walking around with their heads in the cloud, uh, denying the realities of losses. That was the other thing we found, that their hope was very, very much balanced by an acceptance of the real things in their life, uh, and the honesty that they had to name those losses was part of their resiliency as well. And also, in terms of their connection with people in community, it wasn't that they lost themselves in those communities and, and blindly went along with the teachings or had no sense of who they were, but rather they were actually quite differentiated. Uh, they knew at times that they disagreed with things within their institutional communities, but they felt um, creative enough and uh, courageous enough to speak out against things they thought needed changes while at the same time really having a sense of identity and support that came from their community. Wow. So that's kind of a long yeah. answer to your question. Yeah, very interesting, right, Hyde? It, it, re- it really is, yeah. And Heidi, to, to uh, address your question about the, about teachings in, in communities about the afterlife, I think, you know, each religious community has its own symbols of faith, um, in the, the Lutheran tradition, which was a tradition of the people that I interviewed, it's very much um, anchored in the promises of God and to kind of leaning into a future that God has made for us that goes beyond this life. And yes, these, that's something that these folks were not afraid to talk about, but neither did they live just um, as folks seem to, perhaps if you think about the Middle Ages when people... Um, use that idea of, t- of the afterlife as a way of escaping their responsibilities today. <laughs> they also believe that eternal life begins now in terms of um, their relationship with God and with each other. Now, let me ask you this. I'm out in the audience now, and I'm listening to this, and I'm mm-hmm. thinking, okay, I've had a loss, Is it? And, and I wasn't connected with my spiritual community. I'm hearing you, and I'm thinking about how I was raised in my childhood or, or, mm-hmm. or even finding a new community. Right. Do you think it would help me now, you know, if, I, if, if I'm feeling sad and abandoned and whatever? Well, yeah, and I think we have to enlarge the idea of what a spiritual community is as well. There are some places uh, that offer uh, spiritual symbols and richness and support that aren't within the walls of a church. Uh, one of the things that comes to mind uh, are support groups for people, hospice work. Uh, AA, uh, groups like that that have a lot to teach uh, organized religion about how to really be supportive to other people. But, yes, yeah, certainly, um, I mean, one of the things I can only say what I've tended to in my life after doing this research, I w- I've been much more intentional about being sure that I was part of a, of a spiritual community because I um, very much uh, was impressed by what that meant for the women and men in Germany and the United States who who found that to be their great source of support. But I am concerned about the fact that many generations to come, the, the generation to come, does not seem to have that same 
source of support. But on the other hand, sometimes they have a spiritual community that, as I said, is not within a church wall either. Yeah, I was. Uh, I'm thinking okay. of, and I'm sure my mom is Janet about compassionate friends. We, my mom and I, are both very yeah. involved in mm-hmm. the compassionate friends, I and that is a peer-to-peer wonderful. support organization. Absolutely, absolutely. The the thing that um, you you have in a, in a wonderful organization like that is the care of other people and the sense of of working together to find meaning, mm-hmm. uh, which I think is so much a, an important part of this, and also that part about honestly naming the losses. Oh, the I like thing, that too. Yeah, honestly naming them. We sure surely yeah. do that, don't we, Heidi? Right. The only yeah. thing that that is not there that some people f- find really important. Um, is this kind of symbolic language. I don't know if you're acquainted with Barbara Meyerhoff's work. She was my inspiration. She worked with the um, conservative Jewish population in Los Angeles, Mm -hmm. the older population out there. And she wrote extensively of how important um, uh, the symbols of the faith are to people, the stories of the faith, that meta-narrative, the larger narrative that people find so helpful when their own losses uh, the story of their own losses come along. Mm-hmm. And I found something very similar in my work, that um, being able to place your own story of loss within a larger story is one way not only to find meaning, but to live into something that's greater than yourself. Wow. So I think that's yeah. one of the advantages of of, spirit, of religious communities, whether they be organized or not, that um, support groups may not have. Now, I think they do have their own symbolic language to some extent, but it doesn't have the uh, the same uh, long term narrative, you know, right? Exactly. Exactly. So, so Janet, Janet, are there are there things that people out there that are grieving can do mm-hmm. to become more resilient mm-hmm. after a loss? Right. Well, you know that term resilience. Uh, when I wrote, when I started working this area, and I'd go online and type in spiritual resiliency, my own name was the only thing that would come up. But resiliency has become such a buzzword now, and I think mm-hmm. that's a great thing. Um, anyone can look at their own story, and uh, with or without the help of a therapist or a counselor or, or a rabbi or a pastor, um, they can look at their own story not only to look at the times of brokenness and fear, but also to say. You know, where are the sources of my strength? How did I manage to do that? And that's what resiliency is about. When I sit with someone who's just had a loss in my clinical work, I'm I'm really not that interested in putting down a diagnosis. I have to do it for the insurance companies. But I'm much more interested in listening carefully for their strengths or exceptions to the times when they felt that they were really losing it. Uh, not in a Pollyanna kind of way to deny the, that. I mean, sometimes you just have to be with people and let them lament for a long time. Especially I, I like that idea. Loss. I, I like it, looking at their strengths. I mean, I remember working mm-hmm. with someone after 9-11 and she said, Heidi, getting out of bed feels like someone threw cinder blocks on my feet and threw me at the bottom of a pond and told mm. me to swim to the top. That's how hard it is to get out of wow. bed. And I looked at her and said, wow. wow, how were you able to get here today? Exactly. I mean, if that's, that's what's going exactly. on, how did you manage to get to my office? It's so amazing how that will help people to realize mm-hmm. that they have those strengths. That's so important. So maybe for yeah. people out there looking at what's working in their lives. And I was thinking, uh, for everybody who's listening today, how did you get to listen to this program today? 
I mean, how did you get here? Uh, give yourself credit for that and uh, look for those uh, points. Now, Janet, if you had one thing that you could say to somebody who's lost a spouse or a child or a parent or whatever, what would it be? You're not alone. Uh, mm. Yeah. You're not alone. I really believe that our wounds are part of, of the, the wounds of, of, of a God who cares about us and loves us. And um, there are times when... Friends are, are afraid to accompany us and don't want to listen to our laments. Um, but keep trying until you find someone who has enough care and enough spiritual depth to be able to accompany you because you are not alone, but you need someone in the real world who can be your companion on this journey. Oh, Janet, thank you so much. And how uh, do people get your book? And do you have a website? It's on Amazon, um, and it's also available through Baywood Publishing. All right. This is a very uh, rich book, and I think that um, I would highly recommend that you get it. I'm going to be reading into it myself as time goes on. It's Spiritual Resiliency and Aging, Hope, Relationality, sorry, another word, and the Creative Self. So thanks so much for being on the show today. My pleasure. Bye, uh, Gloria, and bye, Heidi. Bye-bye. Well, Heidi, a very interesting show. You know, I've really come to terms with looking at my own religious community and not not so much for the theology, but for the community. And I love the fact that she said that you can disagree with your community because oftentimes I do. (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. Well, there's a lot of unhealthy religion out there, too. (laughs) Yeah, and the idea that we are are not alone. And and for everyone listening today, if you want to see more of what Janet has written, just Google Janet Ramsey, and she has got some great PowerPoints that she shared with us, <laughs> which I read and found very helpful. So thank you for, for that and all the work you're doing. Oh, it's my pleasure to be part of this in some small way. Thank you for your work. <laughs> and thanks for listening today, and God bless. You've been listening to Open to Hope Radio, hosted by Drs. Gloria and Heidi Horsley. Like today's edition, all of our past programs are available on demand at opentohope.com, along with helpful articles, videos, resources, and links to help get you through the toughest time of your life. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter and sign up for our monthly newsletter. Again, that's opentohope.com. Check it out today. Then be sure to stop by next Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time when we'll be posting another edition of Open to Hope Radio. Remember, Others have been where you are. They made it through, and you can too, as long as you're open to hope.